Hello, and welcome back to the Braxton Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gidding. This week on Campfire Stories, Chapter 12, The Capture. So let's go get that campfire started, and we'll nestle in for a good story. The Kings of Braxton, Born Unto Trouble. Chapter 12, The Capture. One. The sun had worked its way across the sky and was nearing the end of its daily journey. Sam and Neil stood near Sam's car, which was parked just off the road a few yards before the old covered bridge, a mile or so outside of town. Sam smoked a fat cigar and leaned against his car, while Neil spat tobacco juice into the grass at the edge of the road. Neil was wearing a shoulder holster that held two guns up front and extra ammo along the straps. It was strapped to his gun belt, which held his prized revolver on the right side and another revolver on the left, and had two pistols in the back with extra rounds held by leather straps. His BAR was leaning against the car, along with an M1 Grand. Sam also had his shoulder holsters, which held a pistol under each arm, and were much like Neil's. He wore his self-made gun belt loosely, with his prized revolver on his right hip, and a Colt M1911 pistol on his left. A buck knife was tied to his belt just in front of the gun on his left. The holsters on either side were strapped around Sam's thigh, with a simple leather strap and a snap which kept the holsters in place while running and fighting. He was not wearing his usual jacket to cover the guns. He wanted every weapon to be easily accessed when needed. He flicked his cigar ash and adjusted his fedora. Sam still felt like he was going in blind, like he was missing something, a piece of the puzzle. Something was off, and he felt it in the air, but he didn't know what it was. It made his stomach churn, thinking he was missing something. But he tried to put it behind him and focus on what he did know. Do I know everything? He mumbled to himself. Do I have every angle covered? He rehashed everything mentally, overthinking as usual, while Neil seemed to be calm and collected. Sam pulled each gun out of its holster and checked to make sure that they were fully loaded. Then he checked the Thompson in the back seat of his car. It was going to be the first weapon he used tonight, and he wanted to make sure the drum was full and ready to go. It was. You can check those things a hundred times, little brother. They're still loaded, and that won't change until you pull the trigger, Neil said in a snarky tone. Just making sure. Don't want to be caught off guard. Marcus and John pulled off to the side of the road in John's old pickup truck, and the men got out and walked over to the brothers. Both John and Marcus were armed with two pistols. Marcus wore his waist holster with a gun on either side and a thin jacket, while John wore his shoulder holsters with a gun on either side. "'What you got for us?' Marcus asked as he approached the brothers, knowing they would have extra guns for them. Sam pointed to the back seat of the car, which was loaded with weapons. 
John grabbed a double gun belt and strapped it on tightly. Then he tested the comfort and position of the two guns it held, drawing each one over and over again to make sure he could get them out in a hurry if needed. He also grabbed extra rounds and magazines and placed them in his pocket. Marcus grabbed a shotgun and extra shells. The sun now hid below the horizon, shining what little light it had left in sharp rays that stretched to the heavens as the group waited for Junior and the rest of the officers to arrive. Do you know how many men Junior's bringing? Sam asked John. We haven't heard from him since we left your place, John replied. Neil spat and grabbed his BAR. He knew that the group couldn't wait too much longer. They were out in the open and at risk of being spotted. John and Marcus inspected the weapons they had just acquired as Sam walked out to the middle of the road and looked to see if Junior was heading their way. The road back to town was pretty straight and had a slight incline from the bridge. After the bridge, the road was far from straight and full of hills. It was less developed on the other side of the river, so no one ever bothered to pave a smooth, flat road. It was a road that went nowhere. It just stopped a few miles into the woods, and the houses on the side had sat abandoned for years. Sam glanced at his watch. Five minutes past eight. Come on, Junior, he said quietly, just loud enough for only himself to hear. He took a puff from his cigar, adjusted his fedora, and continued watching the road for signs. Then he heard Junior's car heading toward him. It came into sight with another car following close behind. About time, Sam said under his breath. Sam walked to his car and grabbed the Thompson as Junior pulled alongside of the road with the other car right behind him. You're late, Junior, Neil snapped. Sorry. I was trying to get some men. This is all I could get. Junior was accompanied by four officers, including Nathan Sheets. Load yourselves up, Sam said, pointing to the back seat of his car. The men walked over and helped themselves to the weapons. Nathan was already well armed and only took some extra ammo. Sam saw this and grinned. I like this guy, he said to Neil. Yeah, he came ready to fight, Neil agreed. Can you handle yourself, Nathan? Sam asked. Better than most, he replied as he double-checked his guns. Sam and Neil were growing nervous. They'd been expecting more men from Junior and they didn't know if nine would be enough. Neil saw the worry on Sam's face. If Nathan can handle himself, we should be good. We know Marcus and John can take care of themselves in a shootout, Neil said in an attempt to calm Sam. The three other officers who arrived with Junior were Jim Worthington, a big fellow raised as a farmhand, Carlton Smith, a cattle rancher from the west, and Kenneth Schaefer, the son of Oscar, the carpenter who had once worked at the King's Farm. The three men grabbed guns from the back seat while Junior stood silently watching the bridge. 
a shotgun in one hand and a pistol in the other. You got what you need, Junior? Sam asked. Junior nodded and looked back toward the car, where Sam grabbed a shotgun. All right. Let's go, then, Sam said. Sam and Neil took the lead and headed to the bridge. At the edge, they paused, and Sam turned to the group, then back toward the bridge. Okay. Once we cross, we head straight into the woods and hit the place at an angle from here, Neil explained. The group crossed the bridge and made a sharp right turn into the woods. Two. The men had a long journey ahead of them in the dark, and they knew it was going to be a hard trek through the dense wooded area, but they also knew to keep sharp and ensure nobody was watching them. You good, Junior? Neil asked. Yeah. I just wish we had more men, that's all. How about you, little brother? Sam nodded and kept his eyes on the woods in front of him. Marcus and John walked just behind the brothers, and the four officers were just behind them, spread out to create a fan shape so they could keep watch over more ground. The moonless night was almost pitch black as they made their way to the target. Sam stopped and held his hand up to signal the rest of the group to stop. It was silent while Sam listened for the noise he had just heard. When he crouched, the group mirrored his actions. He closed his eyes to rely only on his sense of hearing. He'd heard something. He was sure of it. But the noise stopped. Junior watched Sam for a moment, then looked over at Neil, who felt Junior's gaze and turned to him. Junior shrugged his shoulders as if to say, What's the deal? Neil tapped his left ear with his finger. Nathan admired Sam for his patience and skill and watched Sam closely, trying to learn his methods. He watched every twitch of Sam's ear, the statue-like pose, and the complete focus. A deer jumped from its hiding spot behind a tree fifteen yards away and ran off toward the east. Sam smiled and stood up. The group did the same. They were nearly a mile into the woods and were moving right along at a good pace when Nathan walked up to Sam. I heard you specifically requested me for this, he said. Sam said nothing. He kept his eyes focused in front of him. Well, I just want to thank you for that, Nathan said. You have what it takes to be great. Don't let the world get you down and don't ever give up the fight. Sam said quietly. I won't. This is what I am meant to do with my life, and I don't plan on giving up any time soon. Then you have to be careful out there tonight. Don't take any risks. Protect yourself first, then the man next to you. Junior, in this case. Lastly, you take care of us in the front. Neil said there's a fallen tree that will provide good cover. Find it and stay there. Use it to your advantage. Keep your eyes open and your teeth together. I will, Nathan said confidently. And don't shoot the good guys, John added with a laugh. 
Sam tried to hide his own laugh, but failed. I kind of thought that went without saying, Neil said. I would hope so. He's covering you guys, Junior chimed in. Well, you don't have to worry. You'll be next to him. You might be the only one to come out of this night without a scratch, Marcus observed. That's right. His gun will be pointed at you guys, Junior remarked, then laughed. Hey, not funny. You'll be thanking me by the end of this. I'm a crack shot, Nathan defended himself. Up ahead, there's a light, Carlton observed. Sam paused for a moment to study the slight glow. It's still a good distance away, but let's keep the chatter down. It's time to focus, he said. The light in the distance flickered from the porch of Frankie's hideout and gave the men something to focus on during the rest of their walk. It was still about two hundred yards off and was hard to see with the trees in the way, but it was the only bit of light around. The group mentally prepared for the fight ahead, keeping in mind that safety of the town was the ultimate goal. Neil's thoughts went to his wife Carol for a moment, not enough to distract him, but just as a reminder. Sam tried his best not to think of Liz sitting at home holding the Thompson that she had never fired before, waiting for the brothers to return. He was right to worry about her. She had only ever shot a handgun before, and that was when Sam taught her how to shoot. He tried not to think about her, but in doing so, his mind went directly to her instead. Is this how Neil feels every time? He asked himself. This isn't healthy. Junior was silently going over the plan in his head, and John and Marcus were fairly focused. Nathan joined the other officers in the rear, thinking of his sister, who had been murdered. She was his reason for all of this, and Nathan hoped that tonight would put him one step closer to closure. This was the moment Sam and Neil had waited over a month for. The night they'd capture the German and get one step closer to peace in Braxton. As Sam stepped over branches and fallen logs, he was reminded of his training as a young man, when Al would take the boys out to the woods blindfolded and tell them to find their way home. They learned how to read the forest using their senses, and that was coming in handy at that moment. Sam stopped, crouched, and signaled for the men to gather around him. They were only a few yards from the clearing where the house was, and there were no guards in the front. John, Marcus, to the back. Jim, Carlton, and Kenneth, to the side. Keep behind the trees until you have a clear path. Junior and Nathan, you know where to go. Stay low. Make every shot count. And always choose your target before you squeeze the trigger. If it gets out of hand, just shoot to distract so you can get to cover, Sam explained. I see movement inside, Carlton said. Sam looked to the house and noticed movement through one of the front windows. This feels off, little brother, Neil warned. Junior looked to Sam for a signal to get into position. Your call, Neil said to his brother. 
Sam stared at the house for a moment, then at the row of cars that were all facing away from the house, as if ready to leave in a hurry. He scanned the area for signs of a trap, but saw none. He only saw the hallucination of himself once again. He appeared as he had earlier at home, only this time his revolver was not with him, and he stood in the road just before the house. We need to do this now, Sam stated impatiently. Sam nodded to Junior, who tapped Nathan on the shoulder. The two men ran up to the line of cars, paused a moment for Junior to puncture the driver's side tires on the first three cars, then the pair headed for the tree line. Once there, they took cover behind the fallen log that Neil had said would be there, using it as a stable platform to rest their guns on. Junior waved to Sam to let him know he was in position. Sam turned to John and Marcus. He nodded, and the two men went to the back of the house, followed by the three officers who stopped at the side of the house as John and Marcus continued. Sam and Neil left the cover of the woods and ran to the line of cars, then crouched and watched the house for movement. 3. The brothers could see movement inside, but were unable to make out how many people were there, and it was impossible to know how well armed they were. Without warning, the front door of the house flew open, and a Thompson-wielding thug ran out onto the porch and opened fire on the brothers. Sam and Neil stayed behind the cars for protection as glass fell all around them from shattering windows. Nathan took aim and dispatched the thug on the porch as Junior held his fire. Everything was silent again as Marcus and John stood at the ready. The three officers on the side of the house took a few steps back into the woods and out of the dim glow of the gas lamps that surrounded the building. I'm guessing they knew we were here, Neil fumed quietly. Once again, they knew our plan, Sam said as he peeked over the hood of the car to get an idea of what they were up against. How is that possible? Neil questioned. From inside the house, Frankie's men began to fire, but their bullets were not finding targets. Bullets flew from the house in every direction, and Marcus and John crouched down low to become less of a target. The three officers to the side took cover behind thick maple trees. Junior and Nathan stayed low behind the fallen log, and Sam and Neil sat still, waiting for their chance to return fire. What is this? Sam asked. A waste of ammo. That's all I can think, Sam replied. John and Marcus took aim and fired blindly through the back windows from their cover, at the same time as the three officers to the side leaned out from their cover and shot into the house. Nathan fired into the house, aiming for the windows. He knew there would be men firing out of the house through them and hoped to hit them. Junior continued to hold his fire, but kept watch on the house. Sam jumped up from behind the car, wielding his Thompson, and sprayed the front of the house. The thunderous noise and spray of bullets allowed Marcus and John to move closer as the men inside the house stopped shooting. Officer Worthington, Smith, and Schaefer also took the opportunity to move in closer, 
stopping just beneath a window. Sam saw them and stopped firing. He ducked back behind the cars. Bullets began to fly from the house once again, bouncing off the cars being used for cover and tearing through the trees behind Sam and Neil, sending bark and branches raining down on them. These cars won't hold up to much more of this, Neil surmised. Sam quickly looked around and assessed the situation. Junior and Nathan were in the woods to his left, out of sight, and the officers were against the house to his right. He didn't know the current position of Marcus and John in the back, but he knew he had to make a move before the cars became too damaged to protect them. We might be in a little bit of trouble, Sam said sarcastically. He removed his fedora and wiped the sweat from his forehead, then brushed his hair back and replaced the hat. So what do we do? Neil asked. Sam slid the last drum into the Thompson, then slung the shotgun over his shoulder. We storm, he said. I'm with you, little brother, Neil affirmed. The brothers jumped to their feet, and Sam fired in full auto, creating a thunderous racket while Neil fired the B.A.R. rapidly, making it impossible to hear anything else. The two moved toward the house. Bullets were flying from the windows and open door, whizzing inches from the two brothers as they walked unflinching into the heart of danger. They could feel the breeze from the passing bullets, but steadied their breathing as they had been taught years ago as they continued toward the target. Nathan did his best to cover the brothers as they moved. He was in awe of the sight he was witnessing. The three officers fired through the window randomly, hoping to cause enough distraction or to take out as many as they could before the brothers got to the house. Neil stopped and crouched down while Sam tossed the Thompson to the ground and slung the shotgun around. He fired into the house while bullets continued to fly by him and hit the ground nearby. This was stupid, he thought to himself. Sam knew it was not going in their favor. There were too many guns in that house, and they were ready for this attack. He turned and yelled to his brother, Get back to the cars, Neil. There's too many of them. Suddenly, Sam was shot in the leg, and before he could hit the ground, he was tackled by a large man who ran out of the house, taking advantage of his momentary distraction. Sam hit the ground as the firing from inside focused on the others in his group. The shotgun flew from his hands, but the strap remained around his shoulder. Sam turned to his brother for help. Neil stood, tossing his B.A.R. to the ground. As he reached for his revolver, he noticed a disturbing look on Sam's face. Sam went rapidly pale, as if he saw the devil himself standing behind his brother. Neil turned and drew his prize revolver, but was halted by Junior's gun in his face. Junior! What the hell are... Sam was interrupted by Frankie's man hitting him with the butt of the shotgun, which he picked up and ripped away from Sam. The gunfire from inside the house had stopped as Junior took Neil's revolver. Neil twitched and fought the urge to draw on Junior with his other pistol but he knew there was no way to do it faster than Junior could fire off a shot. One move and your dear brother gets it, 
Junior said to Sam. What the hell is this, Junior? Neil asked with his hands out to the side to show he had no intention of fighting. Sam looked around for Nathan, hoping he had Junior in his sights, but saw nothing. A car roared up the dirt road and slid to a spinning stop right behind Junior. Frankie was behind the wheel, his scarred face clearly visible. Don't move, Junior said, using one hand to open the car door. The three officers watched from the side of the house. Carlton, who was crouched beneath the window, inched closer with a pistol trained on Junior. He stood slowly as he focused his sights. Junior noticed this and reacted quickly. His shot knocked Carlton to the ground and blood poured from the chest wound. Stop it! That's my brother! Sam yelled to his men in a panic. Jim and Kenneth rushed to Carlton's side as he bled out. Who's next? Junior yelled. Who is next? Frankie laughed from inside the car, an evil-sounding cackle. John and Marcus ran from behind the house and stopped when they saw the scene. How about you? You want it next? Don't even think of doing anything stupid, boys, Junior said to his deputies. What the hell is this, Junior? Marcus yelled as John knelt down at Carlton's side. Marcus had a tight grip on his rifle, ready to take out his boss if needed. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. Junior had always been a decent and straight boss. Marcus looked over at Sam for a sign of what to do. Sam shook his head, and Marcus loosened his grip and lowered the rifle. Frankie's thug grabbed Sam by the shirt and lifted him to his feet. Sam was not willing to risk his brother's life by fighting back, so he went along with it and stood. As Junior pushed Neil into the back seat of Frankie's rust bucket of a car, John glared up at his boss with the hatred he had never felt before. Junior had just shot one of his own deputies, a man who had worked for him for many years. The betrayal was unforgivable. Sam twitched like he was about to make a move, and Frankie fired at him but missed his target, hitting the ground behind him. Keep calm and stay out of my way, and your brother won't be harmed. Too much, Junior said. Junior pulled out his handcuffs and locked Neil's hands together behind his back. Sam watched on, helpless and shaking, as Neil stared at his brother, stone-faced. Sam noticed something behind the car and focused on it. It was yet another vision. Again, it was him, in his army uniform, and covered in blood. This time, he was unarmed. What are you gonna do? The vision yelled at him. Sam was scared and shocked. He had nothing to say to the vision. He just fought the urge to kill the thug holding him and run after Junior and Frankie. I mean it. Stay out of my way, Sam, Junior said before getting in the back seat with Neil. Sam turned away from the hallucination and looked back to Junior. He saw red and wanted Junior's blood. At that moment, Sam knew how it was all going to end. Junior and Frankie would die together 
by his hand. Marcus and John stood in disbelief as Junior slammed the door closed. Then, Frankie floored the gas pedal to make his getaway. As the car drove off, Sam turned to his attacker and took a swing. Shots flew from the house once again, forcing Marcus and John to drop to the ground and scurry for the cover of the cars along with Jim and Kenneth. Once behind cover, John noticed that Marcus had been shot. Marcus looked over at John. I'm fine, he said as he replaced the magazine in his gun. Sam and his attacker fought through the continuing gunfire, raging from inside the house and the officers behind the cars. Bullets hit the ground nearby, sending dirt and rock flying through the air. Sam had a hold of the shotgun and was trying to pry it from the thug's hands. The man swung the butt of the gun around, striking Sam in the face and causing him to fall to the ground. Thinking quickly, Sam kicked the legs out from under his attacker, sending him flying, and the two grappled for a moment before Sam was able to reach the knife that was tied to his gun belt. In the struggle, Sam cut his own arm before he was able to stab the attacker in the side repeatedly until he rolled off of him. Sam climbed on top of the man and stabbed him in the neck. Blood sprayed from the opening and the man died with the last gurgling gasp of air. Then a bullet hit Sam in the back, knocking him over. Gunfire continued coming in Sam's direction as he jumped to his feet, and he was hit again from inside the house, falling to his knees. He grabbed two handguns from his holsters. One was his favorite Colt model, 1889, and the other was a Smith & Wesson M1911 that he pulled from a Chicago man he had killed many years ago. Without fear, Sam ran into the house firing. Bullets flew by him so close that they ripped the threads of his clothes. One bullet found its mark and struck him in the arm. But this did not stop him, or even slow him down. He was determined, and nothing would stop him. Cover Sam! Marcus yelled out to the officers. A man ran out of the house toward Sam, who lifted his gun and shot him. Sam walked up to the porch, holstered the two revolvers, which were both out of ammo, and pulled the pistols from his shoulder holsters. They were semi-automatic Norwegian Kongsbergs. He continued into the house, where once again he began firing. Marcus, John, Kenneth, and Jim watched the house as each room was lit up by flashes of gunfire inside. A man ran from the back door, but was found by Jim's bullets which knocked him to the ground and killed him. Marcus ran to the wooded spot in front of the house to look for Nathan. When he got there, he found the rookie officer face down in the dirt. He'd been shot three times in the back, his hands still held tight to his service revolver. Marcus knelt and turned the body over. Blood was everywhere, and Nathan wore a permanent expression of shock on his face. The gunfire stopped inside the house, and everyone looked to the door, waiting for some sign that Sam was still alive. The men raised their guns as a bloodied hand reached out of the doorway. It was one of Frankie's men dragging himself out of the house. A shot was fired from inside, killing the bloodied man, and Sam limped out onto the porch, stepping over the body, 
He was bleeding from multiple gunshot wounds and looked as if he had just gone up against an entire army by himself. Sam watched as Marcus carried Nathan's body to the house, then set him down near the porch. At the sight, Sam's legs gave out, sending him crashing to the old wooden porch, as he looked down at Nathan's body. The rage was filling him, but he hadn't the strength to do anything with it. I'm going to kill Frankie. Sam paused to catch his breath. Then... I'm going to kill Junior, he added in a harsh and unstable voice. The loss of blood had begun to affect him. First, we need to get you to a hospital, Marcus said. No. Home. I need to go home. I need to tell Carol this myself. Home. Jim checked the cars for keys while Kenneth dragged Carlton's body over next to Nathan's. Sam sat silently in a pool of his own blood, staring at the bodies in front of him as he felt his heart break. He flashed back to his days in the war, when he saw so many young soldiers killed before they had a chance to be great men. Carlton Washburn, 28, Kenneth began. His wife just gave birth to their third child, a little girl named Amy Lynn. He's been a police officer for seven years. It's all he ever wanted to do with his life. Tears rolled down Sam's blood-covered cheeks as he listened to Kenneth talking about his friend. I'll make sure to find a way to do right by his family, Sam said through the physical and emotional pain. Just make sure he didn't die in vain. Kenneth began. You saved Braxton from Frankie, and he paused to come to terms with what had happened. And from that backstabber, Junior. I can't believe all this time. Junior was the one controlling everything, Marcus said. It makes sense, Sam began. Every time we fell into a trap, we had told him our plans. Never would have guessed he could be capable of such evil. But things were starting to fall into place now. I knew that Neil and I were not sloppy enough to fall for so many traps. It had to be an inside job. Sam tried to stand, using the railing to lift himself. But it was slow going, and Marcus took his arm to help him to his feet. The engine started in the last of the cars in the lineup, and Jim pulled it around for Sam. Go, Sam. I'll take care of the bodies, Kenneth said as he walked over to his fellow officers who had given their lives. Four. Liz and Carol waited in the sitting room for the brothers to return. They knew it was going to be a long night, and they were ready for it with coffee and Uncle Lau to keep them going. The small fireplace was burning brightly, and the three were beginning to get worried when they heard the sound of a car racing up to the house. Al grabbed a shotgun, jumped to his feet, and went to the door. Liz followed with the Thompson. 
As the car got closer, they didn't recognize it. So Liz raised the gun and aimed. Carol, get down, Al yelled as he raised his shotgun. The car slid to a stop, but Liz and Al did not make out the passengers in the darkness. Marcus jumped out of the driver's side and ran over to the passenger side to help Sam. Get Carol! We need her medical kit, John yelled as he got out of the back seat. Liz dropped the gun and turned to Carol, who had already run to retrieve her kit. Al made room for the men as they helped Sam through the door. Then Al looked back at the car, expecting to see Neil get out. Marcus and John helped Sam into the kitchen. "'Where's your brother, Sam?' Al yelled. Just then, Carol ran into the kitchen and froze at the question posed by Al and the sight of Sam covered in so much blood. Sam couldn't find the words. He simply stared at Carol, shaking uncontrollably, waiting for them to come to him. "'Sam!' Carol screamed in a sheer panic. "'Where's my husband, Sam?' Marcus and John helped Sam into a chair and stepped back to let Carol do her work. Sam was shaking. He didn't want to say the words, and the pain was beginning to get the best of him. Tears flowed like waterfalls from his eyes as Carol screamed out in horror and dropped the medical bag. Al lost his balance and fell against a nearby wall, and Liz ran to Sam's side. Sam... What happened? Liz begged. Carol fell to her knees, crying out, and looked up at Marcus and John. You tell me what happened to my husband, Marcus, she demanded. It was a trap, Sam began, forcing the words out past the pain. Junior led us into a fucking trap. He spat blood as he forced the words out. Junior? Al questioned. Sam twitched in pain, and Liz put her arms around him instinctively, which made him flinch again. He removed his gun belt slowly and painfully as he continued to talk. Neil said something seemed wrong. I should have listened to him. The pain of moving was almost too much for Sam, and he screamed. Liz helped him remove his shoulder holsters and his shirt, which was soaked in blood. What happened, damn it? Carol screamed from the floor. Junior grabbed Neil and fled with Frankie, Sam said as Liz began to wipe the blood from him. Carol stared at Sam, breathing heavily through fearful and angry tears. Sam returned the stare, unable to find the words to make everything right, because there were no words for that. The look on his face screamed fear, sorrow, pain, and anguish. Al hit John on the shoulder and pointed to the medical bag. John picked it up and handed it to Al, who limped over to the table and sat next to Sam. He opened the bag and pulled out a bottle of alcohol. Sam pushed Al's hands to the side. Then he got out of the chair, fell to the floor, and slid himself over to Carol. She slapped Sam with all the force she could muster. Then she did it again and again. Sam didn't resist or protect himself. He was already in too much pain and couldn't even feel the slaps. I 
told you to bring him back to me. Carol shrieked as Sam just sat there bleeding. Sam lowered his head in shame. I'm sorry. Damn you, Sam! I hate you! Her voice cracked as she screamed with all her might. Then she slapped Sam once again and stood. You go out there and you find him. You bring him back to me. And you kill those bastards. She commanded him with a howl. She turned and fled the room. Marcus leaned down and helped Sam back to the seat. No. The table. Lay him on the table. He's losing too much blood, Al yelled. John helped Marcus get Sam on the table and stepped back to give Al room. Get me rags. Lots of rags. There's too much blood here. Liz held Sam's hand tightly as he lost consciousness. Al poured the alcohol over each wound he could find, then took a swig for himself. I'm going to need your help on this one here, Al said to Liz, pointing at a wound on Sam's leg. The bullet is still in there, and we need to get it out. Liz was frightened, but listened to every word Al said as he walked her through removing the bullet. As Al began sewing up the wound, Sam came to and started kicking and twitching. John and Marcus wasted no time getting to his side and holding him down. His screams terrified Liz, and she stepped back, not knowing what to do. Give him the whiskey, Carol yelled through her tears as she stood in the doorway. Al looked back at Carol as Liz did what she was told. Al nodded his head and returned to the task at hand. Carol was furious, frightened, and ready to tear Sam apart limb by limb, but she stood nearby watching, hoping for the best outcome. She knew that he was the only one who could bring Neil back to her. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed Chapter 12. Join me next week for Chapter 13, I Am With You. If you like what you're hearing, please share this show with others. Also, if you're interested, you can hop over to Amazon.com and buy The Kings of Braxton, Born Under Trouble. And thank you very much for stopping by.